I think you have to get to a point where you're just so annoyed with the state of, um, you know, um, an, an inspiration um, that you think, okay, I'm just going to send myself on this metaphorical holiday into somebody's work or some kind of experience, knowing that you won't know the person who will emerge from it. And you have to be okay with this weird kind of small scale rebirth. Hello, and welcome to Think Inspired a weekly conversation about inspiration and its role in the creative process. My name is Drew and I'm your host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Inspo, a search engine for inspiration. Now, this is a curious and often misunderstood topic that my team and I have been obsessing about for the last year now as we've been building our product. We've had literally hundreds and hundreds of conversations with creative thinkers about the nature of inspiration. And this podcast is our humble attempt to capture some of those discussions, share our learnings with the world, and hopefully help you think inspired. My guest today is Anna Gatt, who is a friend and possibly one of the most genuine people you could hope to meet on the internet or offline for that matter. She's the founder and CEO of Interintellect, which is a global community of thinkers who host the most amazing online conversations called Salons. I've been fortunate enough to attend one and it was a truly meaningful and mind-bending experience. Anna is from Budapest in Hungary and she lives a very poetic life. I'm grateful to know her and also for the opportunity to speak with her for one whole hour about inspiration. Anna, welcome to Think Inspired. All right. Anna, let's go down our first rabbit hole and start with a big question. What does inspiration mean to you? It's so interesting. You know, uh, you sent me the uh, the questions ahead of the interview and immediately I felt so superstitious. I was like, oh, I don't want to jinx it. I don't even, I can't even speak about inspiration. It's like love or desire. You think like, <laughs> oh, if I, if I, if I, if I voice it, it will go away. Uh, it will get, you know, it's like a little bunny that gets scared and, and it crawls back into um, the, the, the last fun uh, rabbit hole. Um, I think for me, inspiration is not, I'm, you know, a sudden action, it's more a state, um, a state of maybe awareness and a state of being in touch with some parts of ourselves and not being afraid of it. Um, I think it's a very physical state. Um, I often feel that when I write or when I um, sing or dance, I feel that, or even, you know, the kind of creativity that building a business requires. I often feel that it comes from my body and not my mind. And in, in many ways, I have to switch off my mind um, because it can be, you know, so bogged down in the everyday realities of life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's maybe a state of flow. Um, I would, I know, I know the word flow, um, you know, is used for multiple things these days. It's also used for, you know, a state of heightened productivity, for instance. I don't think inspiration is always productive. <laughs> I think in most cases it's not productive and you have to let it be unproductive, right? In order to kind of get the get the pearl at the end if you're lucky. All right, what a beautiful start. There's so much there <laughs> that I'd love to unpack. So um, you've already touched upon this a little bit, but let's, you know, uh, what do you do when you're uninspired? So you mentioned a few sort of activities and rituals. But I'm more curious, like, are you really conscious about them? Like, is there a certain, uh, not necessarily formula, but do you, are there certain 
patterns and behaviors that you you kind of follow when you're seeking inspiration or is it just completely magical serendipity coincidence that's a really good question because also for me the word uninspired can mean so many different things um, yes it can be an actual artistic block or writer's block but it can also mean just a state of dullness in one's life when you are just dissatisfied and feel very gray about how things are turning out I don't know. I'm a very intense person. I'm in my, in how I, you know, uh, consume or encounter um, um, art or, or media. So I tend to just, you know, do a lot of one thing. Either do a lot of running, or do a lot of nature, or do a lot of one particular author or one particular um, filmmaker or musician, and then I go and I, you know, I just spend three weeks or so, like it's almost like sending yourself on a, an extended holiday um, into another person's work or into an experience. And, I, you know, I, but I usually when, when I get out of these, um, you know, darker patches, you know, you don't feel like the same person afterward and you don't, you never really wind up where you intended to go. And um, so it's, I think you have to get to a point where you're just so annoyed with the state of, um, you know, um, an, an inspiration um, that you think, okay, I'm just going to send myself on this metaphorical holiday into somebody's work or some kind of experience, knowing that you won't know the person who will emerge from it. And you have to be okay with this weird kind of small scale rebirth that you will go through. Wow, that's beautiful. Small scale rebirth. That's incredible. <laughs> Maybe it's not small scale. Maybe that's actually the the you know unless you're you you believe in a religion where there's actual rebirth. Maybe this is the only. Maybe we only have the small scale rebirths in our lives, and maybe that's the real shit. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to like talk down on it. <laughs> that's amazing. So do you feel? I, I feel like you're the kind of person that you, you know the world for you definitely isn't uh, black or white. It's it's complex and beautiful and. Uh, you know, just because you're in a negative state, that doesn't make it a bad state. And you're also, I, you strike me as these one of interesting, these sort of contradictory people, because I don't feel like you're this hyper productivity junkie, but at the same time, you get a lot done, right? But not worshipping at the altar of like productivity. So what am I trying to ask here? I'm trying to ask, um, do you feel like when you are uninspired, that in and itself is actually a valuable place to be and you don't necessarily need to get to a point of like, you know, creative, metaphorical thunderbolt. Hmm. This is an interesting question. I don't, when I'm in a negative patch, I don't feel that, I mean, even if consciously I may be aware that this is going to be useful later on, I don't enjoy it at all. <laughs> and... Um, I, I sometimes feel like my negative patches happen when I'm like, I always go somewhere in my mind and, and sometimes I just run into a wall. And at first it's like video game. You just keep bumping into the same wall over and over and over again. And it makes you increasingly exasperated and you start like hating everybody. And like, why is this happening? But why cannot I do anything right? You know, and then like in a video game, you know, you're just like, oh, I just have to step back and you can actually go around this wall. You're not going through there. Like, oh no, stop doing this. <laughs> so there's that. 
I really believe in rhythm. I, I, I spoke about this a couple of times, how, you know, one of the great uh, mistakes that we make in our Western lifestyle is we, we are required to choose a lifestyle when we are in our late teens and then mold our personality to that. Yeah. But that's impossible. Like we demand of young people, of children, you know, and the impossible. Like this is literally physically, emotionally, psychologically impossible. What is possible is to understand what kind of a person you are, what is your normal rhythm, and find a life for that. That's the only way, in my view, that you can be, you know, a really fully useful and happy and fulfilled member of society. And I'm still, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. I'm still just learning this and, and trying to figure out what, what this means. And I will give you an example. Um, when Interinteract, my company started, you know, properly working. So it became a day job, right? And, you know, there's a lot of things to do during the day. After a while, I realized that there was a level of stress in my life that disappeared. There was something I used wow. to be doing for maybe 15 years, right? And a kind of forcing of oneself, a kind of extra effort that, you know, I had to allocate energy to every day. And that was gone. And I realized I was, I remember I was just out, um, you know, just walking in this forest and thinking and, and, and I realized that, oh, it's because interinteract is show business and show business requires its own, you know, um, um, there's, it's, it has its own daily rhythm, right? It's similar in maybe also like, um, you know, uh, so not just performing arts, but maybe athletes also have a similar kind of arc, right? So, you know, you wake up, the mornings are usually very introverted. So you do reading, writing in the morning. Um, usually it's a later morning, right? Unless there's some extra thing to wake up for because you will be up late. Um, then, you know, as the day progresses, you know, first you do admin and things that, you know, are asynchronous, paying bills and talking to your accountant and la la. And then as the day progresses, the day becomes kind of more and more extroverted. And, you know, in the early evenings, you will have more important meetings, like for my time zone, you know, between maybe 4 p.m. my time and 8 p.m. is when I have my more, you know, uh, uh, the, the more the meetings with more gravitas, you know, talking to investors, talking to advisors, talking to the great writer that you would like to have on your um, platform, et cetera, et cetera. And then the evening is for the performance, right? So from 7 p.m. to my time, maybe it's like 3 a.m., so the evening slot is extremely extroverted and it's for the people. And, and you kind of dress up your soul, as you would say in Hungarian, you would, you would, you would dress up your soul for that thing. And then after the, the show is over, you either have the after party or you have the calm down. And this is a very particular um, rhythm, you know, a, a, a symphonic orchestra, a musician, a ballerina, you know, somebody working at a stand-up comedy show, like anybody who works with, entertainment would be intimately familiar with this um, structure and you know when I understood this and I understood that oh this is actually incredibly comfortable for me and this is my natural rhythm right because I'm 50% extroverted according to tests so I have both <laughs> right so I need this arc where there is a kind of climax when I am fully open but I don't have to stay there I can go back and 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 my days. Usually, I I do my most difficult readings 
at night, things that you know require really um, intense focus. Um, after you know, I always say that it's after the horses are back in the stable. Um, so when 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 the show is is done and. I also do a lot of walking, so I'm, I, I, I walk while reading, I, I walk around in my apartment while thinking, um, that helps me a lot, I'm very peripatetic, although I, I learned from an Italian friend that actually you can't just throw around the word peripatetic so liberally because it has a very negative connotation in some of the Latin languages, it means that you're a philanderer, I'm definitely not a philanderer <laughs> yet or now, but uh, but definitely like to walk up and down with a book in in my apartment and just you know, have a muscle memory of where the, the sofas are. Wow. I mean, everything you say is so loaded with poetry that I'm a little worried that this is going to be the worst episode yet because I am just not being present as a host and I'm just like making notes <laughs> and listening to you. Um, but that's what, what we, can make it, we can make it matter. But right. just so you, just so <laughs> listeners know, the reason why we don't have video is because Drew was like, oh, that's a video. And I'm like, no, this is too early for the day for me. I'm still not in my extroverted mood. Um, and I'm so it's too early for a video for me. But and yeah. I also <laughs> didn't give her any context at all. I was like, no, do you want to do a podcast on Friday? Sure. <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> But man, I, well, I we're love... talking about the spontaneity. You know, it wouldn't be uh, right if we recorded an episode about spontaneity and we would be like overly rigorous about it. That would be a contradiction. Hundred percent. And honestly, I just love what you said about like the personality of the day just changing, right? And the tempo and the rhythm of the day changing, and how we all respond so differently to those changes. Like I know that I am most alive. Um, and like genuinely inspired super early morning, like aggressively early morning, like when I'm, I feel like I'm at my sort of best, whatever that means. Um, I love like 4am starts and write and think and then meetings and things later in the afternoon. But that time it's like, it's like sacred for, for me personally. Um, but I feel I just, I just loved your, your articulation of that. That was really beautiful. And then in the evening, as you said, you dress up the soul. <laughs> um, tell me something. How has your creative process changed over this pandemic? Because just before we started recording, we were also talking about how we should do an in-person salon, right? In Mumbai, uh, I guess it would be the, the second one. And I told you that we are in a lockdown again. And I don't know when uh, we'll all be meeting in person again. And I guess you've experienced this firsthand as well because um, you were doing in-person events and then everything was on Zoom and I've just been seeing your beautiful Zoom collage of mm-hmm. salons grow and grow and grow. Um, so I'm curious, like, how has that process of feeling inspired, feeling, you know, uh, in tune, finding rhythm changed in this post-pandemic world, if at all? Hmm. I don't know if I have a polite answer to this. Um, oh, please be rude. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, so the first wave of lockdown, so the early 2020, um, so maybe like March to April when people really understood that this is going to be serious and this is going to last. Um, I, I responded to that with a lot of creative output. And I think that w- that was when the foundations of how the interns act community would work and the events would work um you know we kind of laid down the foundations there um and that period went on maybe between um, april and november and by december um last year so half a year ago 
I entered into a completely different state and I spent maybe six months in the state that very euphemistically in the startup world is called head down building. Yeah. Um, that's not a comfortable place for me to be um, in many ways. And I felt that I, I was doing nothing intellectual in the, in those six months. Like I was reading some books and, you know, of course I have this incredible luxury to go to salons and speak with the hosts and do editorial work on, on interinteract salons. But as a private person, I had absolutely no creative or intellectual output. I wasn't writing anything. I was reading very few things for my own pleasure. I had, you know, a lot of my conversations became limited to, you know, um, very pragmatic things. Or if I went out with friends or, or, you know, I would just like avoid talking about anything high level and just like play with the children and cook and do very, very uh, basic things. And now looking back, I realize that for me, that was survival mode. And in survival yeah. mode, you're not creative, right? If you have yeah. that kind of stress response, um, you're not going to start and make a, you know, an oil, oil, oil painting. That's just not going to happen. And then I think by maybe April, um, so maybe one and a half months ago, I had like this moment, like, I have to stop doing this. I have to get out of this because, first of all, what I wanted to build was built. So we actually moved, you know, um, you know, we moved this glacier that had to be moved so that Interintech can start growing. Um, you know, I, I put together a fantastic team. We changed our platform. We uh, created a brand that I think a lot of people are not familiar with. Um, we stabilized our finances. Um, you know, so the groundwork for that very, you know, initial phase of my company had been laid and. And, and I was thinking, okay, I have to just like get myself together because I'm just not, I just, I'm just not happy. And right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not happy because I don't, um, because something negative is happening. It's just because I'm not being fully myself. Yeah. For me, being fully myself also includes having a, an intellectual life. And the same way as I crave having, you know, a, an emotional or physical life and, and, and to, you know, be active and, and, and feel like I live. Um, and that was interesting. I think it's very common and you see this with musicians as well. And just to kind of go back to the, um, the question of show business, you know, that, you know, a musician may feel that, you know, I'm entertaining everybody, but I'm not being entertained myself. And he right. has to actually say, okay, I have to just start going to other people's concerts now and listen to my colleagues music. Um, and I think I felt a little bit like that, that, you know, I'm so hard and at, at like providing other people with the kind of intellectual life I would want, but there's a limit to how much I can do of that without enjoying it myself and enjoying it. I, I mean, in the sense that, you know, I also have to have a very balanced and healthy, um, intellectual life to understand what people need and to be able to provide that. And I think it's probably a very common kind of startup journey creator journey artist journey and and i think for me i went through that um this past winter wow i that that was beautiful and i uh, relate to that so much i think you and i actually may have had this conversation a long time ago because i was having some weird deja vu that um sometimes i've also felt that i would love to be a uh, a participant in what i'm building 
but not necessarily the like one of the creators of it because being one of the the facilitators and creators of it means that there's so much that comes along with that um and i sometimes feel like such a i feel so fraudulent when i'm literally trying to build products that are helping creative thinkers with inspiration and yet at those moments in time i'm like i couldn't be more uninspired right now just with these like 10 meetings and calls and growth and all of this just stuff like busy being busy right and i think i i think you 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 said it wonderfully that it's not that there's something objectively wrong happening it's just you're not expressing who you are in its fullest sort of manifestation um in its fullest flavor and that's always going to be a source of like personal tension absolutely and so one of the things that i noticed was you know the morning writing um which i never used to do i used to be the right night edit morning kind of person and now it's yeah. changed a little bit and I think it's also because, because of how my, what my job is these days, I, I encounter the voices of so many other people. So not just, you know, during the salons, but like I have so many people talking to me during the day and fantastic people. So you want to listen to it. This is not noise, right? This is actually things that you want to engage with. And it took me, there was a learning curve to like how I can encounter and respond to these voices. And for me, you know, having, a balance an internal balance and and strong sense of identity it also seems like a kind of a uh, you know requirement for for being able to to be there and, and exposed in a good sense to to these many 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 voices um so i was i was learning that and it's it's been incredible i mean every day i will receive you know communication from people about how interact has changed their lives and, and, you know, how important it has become in the journey of so many other people. And I feel enormously responsible for this and, and, and for, you know, being able to keep making this thing that is so important to people. Um, and, you know, and I understand that I, I have, I have a deeper understanding now of what kind of, what parts of myself should be engaged in this process. That is amazing. You know what? In fact, if you're happy to share, um, for those who haven't heard and know about this, um, I, I, and I would love to hear what was the actual inspiration for Into Intellect, because um, yeah, I mean, salons are—they are deeply, deeply insightful, inspirational experiences that just literally last with you, right? Um, in fact, I was going to write you a note separately about this. Uh, it's a little bit early to share any of this, but um, in my free Time. I love to write fiction. I'm working on a novel at the moment. And one of the scenes was actually inspired by a salon, right? Like oh, very, God. very directly. Do you remember the, the salon with uh, Nassos um, about Greek myths? Yes. Um, something he specifically said that just like, and it wasn't even the most like necessarily dramatic or cinematic thing that happened in that four hour conversation. But for some reason, I just couldn't get it out of my head. Um, I wrote it down on my like, Rome notes somewhere and came back to it and have like created literally a character an entire like uh mini world around uh, that salon experience um so yeah for me it was like okay it's really really it was uh super inspirational and um it was wonderful so I, i'd love to hear you know from you the the creator herself about the inspiration for it that's fantastic. Oh my God. It's a little bit like a live goals category to have the <laughs> work inspired scene in a, in a novel. Um, so the first, I first started working on 
on startups. Um, okay, let, let me start this sentence again because this is not correct because I, I used to work in a startup. Um, so the first startup that I ever wanted to, fu- to found um, was in mid-2016. And this was a direct response to what I perceived at the time as the looming danger of, of polarized discourse. And the fact that, you know, I, I definitely had felt um, from a generational and geographical point of view that, you know, I grew up strongly believing in and fighting for an ideal um, and that, that there was a lot of value in that um, and that was being dismantled. And I remember feeling that, you know, I always thought I would have a meta life. I always thought I would have, you know, that I would write or teach and inspire other people, um, you know, to undertake action. And I remember that moment when I felt, you know, I have to go out and do it directly. It's a call to arms that everybody's needed. The world is not going to like, you know, redeem itself. Everybody's work and and knowledge is, is needed. And but I felt extremely small and and you know um, not very well trained for this kind of thing. And so I, I remember, you know, um, sitting down and comically looking at my own self in a from a very very different angle and be like, okay, what do I know? How can I contribute? Right. Uh, I was, and I remember kind of, I didn't know about Ikigai, but I sort of made this mental Venn diagram. I thought, okay, what is something I'm really passionate about? What is a really big unanswered need? You know, what is something that if I really press my brain, I can learn doing? And what is something where I think that there is emerging technology and something that's going to be, um, you know, possible in a couple of years? And what was in the center of this Venn diagram? I just basically went and started a company. Uh, for that. And in the first one and a half years, I was researching for and trying to build an AI tool that was mediating in language. So that would pick up on conflict or misunderstandings and, and provide tools um, to uh, to help people with their private communication. Um, and and Interintellect was born, first of all, I never wanted to make Interintellect my job. I thought this was like yeah. a side project, um, the typical story. Um, it came from a really weird realization, maybe late 2018, early 2019, when I realized that I was wrong. I realized that people, like, you know, the narrative at the time was all about the necessity for self-defense on the internet and how dangerous it is and toxic and people are, you know, it's just terrible. And I had a series, because I was doing a lot of proprietary research. I was working nights. I was an editor and I was working nights in London. And then I would go home at like 6.30 in the morning, sleep a little bit, and then build the company and do my research uh, on the the little salary I had <laughs> um, for like one of years. And, and, and I realized that, no, we don't have to build shields. Yeah. It's not a war. Okay. Um, people are actually pretty peaceful and... You know, people want to have good conversations and you can create a space where where that kind of positive engagement can flourish. And so I basically stopped building any technology. Like we only started building technology for interintellect maybe five months ago. So I was like, okay, so what if I just do it completely analog? Two Excel sheets, an even bright account, a couple of paid Zoom accounts. 
and just like nothing. And like we had like a Wix website. Like it would literally just, cost me like yeah. $30 a month to run. Just need, need a bit of electricity and let's go. Exactly. <laughs> because I, I realized like, oh, it's a little bit like somebody just walks out into a field with a flag and says, this is an intrinsic salon. And then that's an intrinsic salon. You don't have to build a, you don't have to build an app for it. Uh, I'm serious. It's an idea, right? It's an idea. Right. It's a meme. And, and that was a fantastic, you know, complete reversal of how I was thinking about it and went from super technical self-defense tool to zero tech celebration of openness, trust between strangers, ability. Some the old idea was something that people would pay for. This is something with which people can make money. So I completely flipped it, and the whole thing just all the puzzles fell into place when I did this flip. Okay, that is absolutely amazing. And I want to um, continue on a few of those threads into the, the crazy part of this conversation. In fact, it's, act- it's actually been pretty crazy and non-linear. So, uh, <laughs> it's default, <laughs> default crazy. That's how I roll. <laughs> I, I stopped looking at questions and I'm just trying to like yeah, write down all the beautiful things that you're saying, which I'll probably <laughs> remember forever. But um, so just before the call, put it in your novel. Put it in your. Yes. There has to, it has to be go like full Floyd William Gibson. Like there has exactly. to be a scene inspired by a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so I want to try something fun and a little wild. And uh, you said you were up for it, so let's just do it. Um, I searched on our new lovely little product, Inspo, search engine for inspiration. I searched for one of your favorite topics just before uh, this call. Um, and that is conversation, right? right? Something that you do wonderfully for a living and you've facilitated some of the most beautiful conversations on the internet, right? So I was just curious that if I search this, what's going to... And I spent like 15 minutes um, and I saved like three pieces of AI inspiration, right? From, from the product. And what I'd like to do is just one by one, I'm just going to share them with you. And it would be fascinating just to see you like, yeah, just respond. Anything top of mind, ideas, questions, conversations... Criticism, abuse, I'm, I welcome it all, right? <laughs> I, we, we will not get to that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first was just an interesting word association, right? Um, with conversation that Inspo picked up by analyzing 120,000 collaborative poems in Haiku Jam that have used the word conversation. Um, and these have been written by like literally people, strangers around the world. Um, And the word association was silence, right? So I'm curious for you, uh, what comes to mind when you think of conversation and silence? Um, I recently did a silence salon. So we came together Uh and we're just silent for three hours and people, we we had a big conversation at the beginning about silence. And then we had three hours of people could just sit there and think or meditate or cook or read, write, whatever they wanted to. And one of the interesting things that came up um, in an exchange with one of the participants called Katrina Della Cruz, who's an educator based in California. Oh, she's um, lovely. Yeah, yeah. She was in my salons and Twitter and She's DMs fantastic. And, yeah, she's, she's coming on, on on my humaning uh, series uh, on uh, Sunday. Yeah. Um, and we, so she was, it was really interesting. Like she described the world as very noisy in which 
silence is, you know, an oasis where you that you retreat to, or that you know, it's very uh, it's something to treasure and something to seek out. And I remember sitting there, and I was thinking about that Gosman sent film about Kurt Cobain that is just silence and then occasional music. And when I worked in music, a very talented person I worked with, a, a composer, performer, told me that this is how being a musician feels, that it's constant silence with the occasional music. And I realized like that's also how I see life. Wow. It's constant silence with occasional conversation. And that's why the conversation is so important. And that's why that's the gold that you go for, right? Um, and, you know, I'm extremely bad with audio. I don't, I have Clubhouse. I almost never listen to it. I never listen to audiobooks. I almost never listen to podcasts. Yep. Um, I spend most of my days in silence. I write a lot and I speak a lot with people. Um, you know, maybe I chat with them or, or, or exchange emails. But for me, I also don't listen to music as a background ever. If I, I listen to music, then I listen to music or it's a very integral, it's a very integral part of what I'm doing in the moment, right? Either for inspiration or for doing sports or whatever, but I don't have background music or background noise. I don't have a TV. Um, and so, you know, a conversation, a phone call, a meeting is the, is not the default. It's the deviation from the norm. Yeah. So I see life as silence or silence with the moments of connection as the what is different and what is the what is the um, the opposite or the the complement um, and it's a very interesting difference between one individual and the next remarkable i'm definitely going to be attending the next silence uh, salon will you be doing them again will it be a series or i would love to it was, i was very productive actually during those three hours so it's definitely going to be worse. <laughs> amazing Okay, uh, number two. So this is actually a, uh, a question that Inspo used GPT-3 and creative associations from Haiku Jam just to write. Um, and the question is, what is the relationship between conversation and connection? I mean, if we, I mean, connection can mean two things, right? It can mean an encounter in a moment, or it can be, you know, it can refer to the, the creation of a lasting bond or relationship right um which is interesting because conversation is between these two extremes right it's yeah it's not a moment but it's also not something that can last uh for years so one of one of the we have these four rules of hosting um for interns act hosts and one of the the key principles is what i call stickiness uh which is that you know when I lived in London, I would often go to these parties and, and I'm sure it's the same in every big city in your city or Mumbai or Paris, maybe Los Angeles. You know, you go uh, and meet people and have incredibly deep conversations. You open up, you share stories about your parents and then you listen and invest time and energy into like remembering the stories that the other person shared. And then you leave the party and you never, ever, ever, ever see that person ever again. Yeah. And that's the norm. That's the default, right? And I hated that. And I remember after a couple of weeks, I was just so burnt out. And everybody becomes incredibly superficial because why would you give your soul to a conversation if 
there's like nothing will come out of it. The whole system is designed for this transience that I think is incredibly unnatural. And we are not physically or emotionally built for it, right? We are physically and emotionally built for living with 150 people in a cave. That's it. Like that's how you write, like, or 30. Um, we're not designed even for meeting new people. Yep. Like that's a whole acquired skill that people have to be taught and, you know, groups of humans had to figure out how to engage with strangers without spares, right? It's not um, something that um, that is uh, that is fully um, in our nature. And and so what I'm trying to do is, is even before I started the conversation at Internet Excellence, you know that if you want to, you will meet these people again. So there is a foundation there that says, you know, even when I was just doing IRL, you know, casual meetups before we became an actual company, you know, we would tell people that, you know, there will be email, email addresses will be shared. And if you want to, you will be sent around every email and everybody will meet everybody. It's fine. This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You know, if you want, it's not obligatory. You can say afterwards that I hated this and I never want to see people again. But if you want to, it's not, this is not a gift that will be a loss, mm. right? When you're in a, in a city life, scenario you know every gift is a loss you're given something and then you're immediately robbed of it and i thought what if it's just a gift with no pressures but that there is continuity that you can be your own self you can listen to other people and remember their names and remember where they're from and what they do and not just as an interesting data point in your own selfish thinking but to actually stay in touch with that person and have them in your life. I, I, I really believe that, you know, our life is a work of art. And one of the things that you build is your tribe, right? Yeah. We are not, we don't come into this world in the 21st century being given a tribe. You have to build it. And what I was really, really deeply suffering uh, from when I lived in London was this inability to do it because I felt that I was in a system that just does not allow that to happen. And I really wanted it. And I really, I just felt that it was so abnormal. It, it felt like as if humans were required to walk on their hands, like, okay, you can do it, but it's going to be extremely tiring. And you're, you probably won't be doing your best thinking while upside down. And, and so I built everything around this and how, how would that work? if we removed this constant sense of loss um, from life. And I think people respond to this extremely positively and, and it's such a relief and there's so much love and so much, I mean, so many people in endurance acts, you know, they start working together or studying together. They become each other's mentors or even lovers, you know, it's like there's yeah. so many things happening because the system is designed to foster something that doesn't, that is not said by default. It's happy by default. That is absolutely fascinating. It's like, you know, in, in a world where, in a world that just doesn't seem to last, right? Doesn't even seem to last and make it till tomorrow in the way that you know and you can trust. Um, this is something that lasts, right? It's just a context that will be around. Um, and that's in innately and intrinsically beautiful for all the reasons that you just said. And actually, if you just zoom out, take almost like a strategic meta view of like 
a business or whatever as a, a project and you think about um, moats, right? It, it's almost like it's being, it, it's future proof by design. Like there's not, nothing you have to do here, right? It works because it will be around tomorrow, right? And the people will be around tomorrow. I think so many like companies and businesses, that's the biggest existential fear, right? Like, will I be around tomorrow? Right. Whereas it's like, well, you seem to have like subconsciously or unconsciously, or I don't know, hyperconsciously just like figured that out, which is just incredible. I think this is kind of uh, maybe a, a, way, a, a moment to circle back to your earlier question, which is, you know, are moments of sadness or uninspiration useful? Yeah. And yeah, they are useful in the sense that they might lead you to insights that other people find incredibly useful, right? Um, I often feel that there's really no point in any kind of human suffering unless, you know, it, it you know, endows you with a kind of empathy. Um, yeah. that you didn't have before um but that's that's really all of it <laughs> it doesn't make it very enjoyable <laughs> in the moment exactly. <laughs> it's often a retrospective realization a re as well. yeah, like once, like, once mm -hmm. you're past the pain you're like oh let's romanticize it but um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like and like point at like completely random negative things and say like that made me the man i am today yes. you know let's do this to my son as well no don't do it <laughs> <laughs> oh man passing on trauma i love it <laughs> Um, okay, so last last piece of uh, okay. inspiration. Um, so this is another uh, GPT-3 generated thought, right? And yeah, just, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this like thought startup. So the thought okay. is, the future is a conversation between the present and the past. I disagree with your bot. Um, Lovely. <laughs> um, sorry, GPT-3. I know a lot of work went into you. Um, <laughs> sure, I will. I will. I will write a letter of apology to uh, Sam Altman. Um, hmm. I often think that, and this is very important to me in how I see the the wider implications of my work. I often say that conversations are the joints between the bones. So the events, I mean, this is a terrible metaphor, maybe, but this is like the closest I can, I can, like, like it's, it's, it's imperfect, but it's still better than the other, you know, ways in which I could explain this. Um, so you have world events, right? And that can be just a private event, like people, I don't know, um, move house or get married or immigrate or, you know, leave their jobs, whatever you do, like, right? Like you go from state A to state B. Um, in the in the uh, merciless physics of life, and conversation is the joint between the two things. And you can look at diplomacy that way. You can look at um, you know um, writing a PhD that way. You can look at a lot of long ongoing processes. And conversation is this space of flexibility and agility, right? That enable movement and enable that enables progress and, and movement and so i often think that you know i won't be able to build the bones because i'm not a politician i'm not you know a captain of industry or whatever but what i build is the joints is to ensure that wow. people can move and people can be healthy and and can be mobile and 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 free right if you can't move you're not free and this is how I see, this is why people are so, you know, stressed over the free press. And like, this is not yeah. just because 
oh, we read some book when we were 16. No, it's because you literally can't move and participate and be free unless you have joints, right? It's a terrible metaphor. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the listeners. But like, if you actually think about it, conversation sits in these little pockets between state A and state B in any moment of change. And life is just moments of change. So there's no moment where that would not be important. I actually disagree with you uh, only in that I think it's a great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe it's maybe a little like visually stark, but I, I think yeah, that's... Yeah, it's very... Uh, I think about... You know, I don't know how it's called in English. You know, the uh, IKEA also sells these little uh, wooden dolls where you can bend the arms, you know. They oh, have, right, yeah, yeah. I don't know how it's called. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and then, you know, they have their, these little feet and, and they are... Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe... If you want, you know, you can like put it just like standing or you can like create a, some kind of delay at our best, you know, out of it. And, you know, in order to go that, that you have to change and turn all the little limbs, right? Yeah. And I think what turns them is conversation. Wow. I just love your level of self-awareness and how you've almost uh, made meaning for yourself. Right. Because I've, I've often found like sometimes, you know, you really I feel like. Am I really doing something that's needed or valuable? Right. Like helping people write poems together or like uh, building, you know, uh, <laughs> a, a, a inspiration products and writing fiction. Sometimes I really feel that sense of like not even imposter syndrome, but just deep insecurity. Like, is this really the need of the hour? But then, uh, like you said, and you said it more beautifully than I ever could, that. Well, what else could or would I do? I'm not going to be this person or I'm not going to be like, let's say, um, taking us to Mars because I, who knows, I have no idea. Right. And um, it's just about, yeah, finding out like uh, almost uh, how can you serve? Right. What's the best way that you can serve? And, and almost like making peace with that and then ex expressing that because it is, it is beautiful and it does matter. Right. I agree. I mean, be really good at one thing yes is the best you can do with your life whatever that is in literally and and you know i have friends who have very you know sometimes extreme, extremely like you know ambitions or desires that they are conflicted about because they thought of themselves as intellectuals and suddenly they find themselves incredibly taken with i don't know community gardens yeah and I'm like, then do a great community garden in a, in a weird way. You will create more of an intellectual platform in your city through that than if you force yourself into, I don't know, whatever you had in mind when you were 15 about yourself, right? But just to go back to the kind of bodily metaphor, um, my first um, startup was called Ixi, and that came from the the mathematical kind of you know um, um, expression of for mutual information from information theory, right? So I X Y in the bracket, right? right? So that's mutual information, and and I think about how important that was to me, and and, and I remember when I first saw the Venn diagram of how information is shared, and I think you know maybe the whole joint idea is the same because you know. Actually, when I was saying that, oh, if you want to go from a standing position to an arabesque, you're not the little wooden doll, but an actual human, you know, the amount of communication needed inside your body to make that happen is unthinkable. 
Like your entire body communicates with all of its other parts, right? All the time. And, you know, you want to change, you want to create that going from state A to state B and your body, because it runs on code, it just runs the code of making sure that the right things communicate with the right things so that change can happen. And so I think we just do that at a higher level of complexity. Okay, that's really inspiring. I, I feel like, uh, honestly, if there's no one that ever listens to this episode, I think it's still okay because I'm going to listen to it like over and over. <laughs> it's, it's really great. Um, we could have just done a Zoom call through. Yeah, no, but thank you. This is amazing. So last last quick uh, um, question before we close. Um, okay. Yeah. Has there anyone who's inspired you recently that you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, all internet tech hosts for being my champions and my heroes and for the amount of openness and curiosity and hard work and kindness. They, they astonish me every day and I'm so grateful. And on behalf of all those hosts, I'm going to say thank you. I'm not one yet, but I hope to be really soon. <laughs> so uh, amazing. Thank you so much, Anna. This was, thank this you so was inspiring. Well, amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We're still new to podcasting and would be grateful for any feedback. So do drop us a line. Now, just before signing off, I'm super excited to share that after a year of private beta, we have officially launched Inspo the search engine for inspiration. So if you'd like to enrich your creative thinking on any topic and elevate the start of your creative process, head over to getinspo.co on desktop web and have a play. See you next week and think inspired.